Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about Danger Force, a half-hour comedy that is currently airing its first season on Nickelodeon. Like all production across Hollywood, Danger Force shut down in response to the pandemic. However, they recently released a special episode that was filmed during the lockdown. It's called Quarantini. It's the sixth episode of season one, and you can find it wherever you watch current Nickelodeon shows. Some listeners may be familiar with the Variety article that came out on May 8th talking about Quarantini, but we're going to dive a little deeper into the mechanics of production, and as always here on Below the Line, there may be spoilers. My guests today are crew from this show. First, Jimmy Brooks, you're the line producer and the unit production manager. Welcome to Below the Line. Thank you for having me. Jimmy, glad you're here. Next, returning to the show is Mike Karen. Mike, you directed the first episode of this series, and you directed the Quarantini episode. That's right. Thanks for having me back, Skid. Good to see you. And also returning is Robin Wiley-Pratt. Robin, you were the first AD for the Quarantini episode. Uh, yes, I was. I'd like to point out I'm actually the only below-the-line person on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Today, uh, yeah, our below-the-line podcast, we have some special above-the-line guests. Well, glad everybody's yes. here. Let's turn our attention to Danger Force. But before we discuss the specifics of the Quarantini episode, let's set some context for our listeners. Mike and Robin, last time you joined me on Below the Line was season one, episode 13, and we talked about Henry Danger, the series that ran for five seasons on Nickelodeon and only recently aired its final episodes. Danger Force is a direct spinoff from that show. Correct. I mean, I mean, di- a direct spinoff. The, the Henry Danger finale, the last scene of the Henry Danger finale was the introduction of Danger Force and the school that the kids go to. So it, we went A to B awfully quick. And so tell me more about how that came about, making the transition to the new show. You've got two returning actors, Cooper Barnes and Michael D. Cohen are both back playing the same characters, but you've got a new group of kids. Set some more context for folks so they understand what uh, what this is all about. It was unique in that the four kids that became Danger Force, we started slowly introducing them over what was it, Robin, the last five episodes of season five? I, I think it was the last five episodes. They each had their own uh, individual episode. And then um, for the finale, the last three episodes, maybe last four episodes. Last four, I think they were all in those. All in those. But then leading right. up to it, we had um, some individual episodes where they each got kind of an episode to introduce their character. So what was interesting about it was not only were these kids being introduced on our show, in the anticipation of them being danger force, these kids were also dropped in the middle of a fifth season, you know, successful long running show with a very well oiled machine on stage. And to their credit, they just jumped right in. They really did. Michael and Cooper were great with them. And, and of course, Robin and I and everyone on the set was trying to be as accommodating as possible, but they truly came into a bit of a, of a hurricane, <laughs> you know, as this huge show was wrapping up, they're the new generation, but they still had to, you know, introduce themselves um, within, you know, in the shadow of Jace and Ella and Riel and Sean. Very much to their credit, they they held their own and held in there, but that was what made it uh, unique. And of course, we all knew that they were going to be the new team going forward. But at the same time, we still felt it, you know, the priority of the day was landing the plane right on Henry Danger, making sure that the show ended the best way it could. And so all attention was to that. The um, Danger Force as a as a new show, we all were excited it was coming, and obviously, but but we kept it 
all of us kept it on the back burner. We did not, you know, we made a point. We really actually made a point just not to really talk about it, to be perfectly honest. We just all hands on deck to make the Henry Danger finale the best it could be. Now, did you have a lot of continuity of crew going from one show to the next? We did. One of the one change was Jimmy Brooks here. Um, Kim Sherwood was the producer UPM on Henry Danger. And uh, then when we started the new show, uh, Jimmy Brooks came in. So he's um, now the UPM producer of the show. Otherwise, it's the crew is the crew. I mean, it really is. The writers, uh, many of the same directors came back. Um, AD staff, props, everything, everybody, I think, really, honestly. Almost everybody. There's um, yeah. some office, uh, some little bit of office turnover and um, some crew here and there. But yeah, for the most part, it's everybody is the same except for um, the kids, the minors. <laughs> you know, all the minors, <laughs> they switched out and got younger. <laughs> <laughs> right. Our, our Henry Danger minors became young adults. And yeah, um, that's true. They weren't minor. Only Ella was a minor at that point. I think the last time you had talked about the schooling and how it was getting easier um, as they got older. Now, now you're back to square one on that front. It looks like. Oh, back to square one. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we're definitely back to square one. Have to like dust off the cobwebs of all the rules and um, lots of scheduling, scheduling to make sure, you know, the writers have to um, have been making it so that it, things are shootable whereas before they the world was their oyster and now it's like you have to do a and b stories um and make sure there's just enough hours in the day to shoot uh, all four of the uh the danger force kids now jimmy let me ask you specifically you came in you obviously had some prep time coming up to the launch of uh danger force what was that like for you starting out on the new show um it was super stressful because uh this is my first job upming line producing uh i'd never done it before and it all happened super quick. I mean, I, I got into the DGA November 1st and I had the job by Thanksgiving. Um, so it was super fast. Um, I started December 2nd and the, the remnants of Henry Danger was all still there. I mean, the, the, they weren't even off stage yet. All the sets were still there. All the sets had to come out and it was just a ticking clock. I mean, we had to be shooting our first episode by the 27th of January, I believe, because we had to hit a March turnaround for the Kids' Choice Awards. So on top of me learning an entire new crew, I mean, half these, more than half these people, Robin may be one of the only people I've ever worked with that were on another show. Having that, you know, that ticking clock going and getting them out the door and trying to get us on, and it, it was a lot. I mean, and then learning the system, learning everybody, learning how to work with kids, how to work with, you know, kid hours. It was, it was stressful, but we, we hit the mark. We got the show done on time, got the first episode off on time, and uh, we were ready to air March 22nd. <laughs> and, you know uh, what? I still, I still say you're lying. You, did, <laughs> you came in like an experienced champ. I mean, <laughs> you never, lo never looked stressed. Knew everything. I, I, I mean, I, th I think you're just saying it for the podcast. <laughs> He's very calm. He's a very, very calm UPM. Yes. That first episode you said you filmed in January, targeting the March 28th. Did you just go from episode to episode? And so there were a number in the cans before it went on the air? I mean, yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty much it. I mean, there was, you know, we aired, we shot six in a row. So we would, we started, I think January 27th, we shot three in a row, had a hiatus. Um, there was a little bit of creative mixing around because we ended up episode two, ended up being episode three that aired, I believe. Right, right. Yes, yeah, so we, we flip-flopped those, but the turnaround was, you know, for a show that involves so many special effects, so many visual effects. I mean, it's our post team was hustling. 
to get these episodes turned around. But within, I guess, about eight weeks, from eight weeks from the time you shoot it was to the time it aired. Which is remarkable on our show, just to say that the special effects really define, like Robin was talking, you know, as Henry Danger was in its fifth season, and because we, the miners, you know, Jace was obviously old enough, Sean, Riel, we could write really big, you know, I mean, a lot of big fights and explosions and because we could, A, have the time on set to shoot them. But with Danger Force, it's, look, it's just another chapter in Henry Danger and our shows are just as big, big as fights, big explosions, set dressing, special effects, uh, post effects. So that's the part that I think started making all of our heads spin because we were so used to this season, Henry Danger, at least the time on stage to shoot it. Now with Danger Force, our lives are defined by nine and a half hour ticking time bobs on our kids, <laughs> but we still have to do the same quality of, you know, superhero type of episode. Jimmy's right. Post, um, you know, we, we would barely get to the week shooting it and then post would have to turn around and then on a much more accelerated schedule, get it ready to go to air. And we are very lucky um, that we have three days of shooting, which most multi-cameras only have two days of shooting. Um, and, but we have three and it's still, we just get it in there, but we, we absolutely have to have three days, especially with the nine and a half hours. It makes it very delightful to get off at a decent hour because there's literally nothing else to shoot usually. If there is a, a B story with Cooper, it usually only takes up maybe um, you know three or five minutes of the show with the adults, it goes pretty quick when we shoot it. So maybe on a Wednesday, we're shooting a little bit late with Cooper, but then by Friday, it's, we're just chasing the kids, chasing the kids, chasing the kids. No, it's very civilized from that standpoint, Robin's saying, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's very stressful, but you know, at 6.30, the kids are done. And by definition, you know, we're all done. <laughs> so, you know, we jump in the LA traffic. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about what the circumstances were leading up to production shutdown. In other words, where were you guys in filming as the rumors started to come of there being uh, issues with COVID-19? Talk to me about those days on set. It really started, the conversations really started earlier in the week that we shut down. I mean, obviously I had read about it. I think everyone sort of had an idea that what coronavirus was and that it was, there was talk of, you know, it making its way into the United States and it was spreading. The conversations really started earlier in that week, sort of the network telling me like, let's make sure everyone's washing their hands. Let's keep an open dialogue. Like what are people's fears? You know, are people starting to get a little bit nervous? You know, you make sure that you're, you're being honest with us. So it was sort of reporting, meeting up with the, you know, the medic would come in at these meetings uh, once a day pretty much and just give us his report on who's coming in, who thinks they have a fever, who thinks they have a sore throat, you know, sort of everyone starting to wonder if they're getting sick, how easy it is to catch. But it, there was no real plan as far as shutdown until probably Wednesday of that week, um, my production executive said, you know, get on the same page with your executive producer and then your um, production executive as well. If you guys all feel like, because at this point now, people were starting to shut down around us. Warner Brothers shows were shutting down. And if we were all on the same page, if we all thought, okay, this was the time we have to stop, they would support us. So that Friday afternoon, we shut down on the 13th of March. That Friday earlier in the day, I had to sit down with my executive producer and I just said, you know, what do you want to do? Here's, here's what's going on. I mean, the world is shutting down around us. We're going into a hiatus. This could be the time for us to shut down. And we, you know, at the time it was two weeks. So we were shutting down for a hiatus week and then we would shut down for a week of production. And, and his words were, you know, you don't want to be the last one standing without a chair. So it's better to just 
shut down. Let's take the two weeks. Let's re-examine what's going on in the world. And if it's only two weeks, it's only two weeks. But if not, you know, we don't want to be the, the one who's left standing. Oh, let's keep pumping out episodes and then something bad happens on our end. So the conversation started earlier in the week of shutdown. And by the end of the week, it was, I mean, it, it happened quickly. It happened in the afternoon. We were like, we're shutting down. And that was it. I mean, it was maybe three or four hours notice that we weren't coming back up on Monday. You guys were able to finish filming on the episode of what you were trying to capture. Obviously, the episode's not complete, but you guys were able to get the episode in the can, at least from a filming perspective. Correct, correct. We, and Jimmy's right. That, I mean, it, it went so fast, like a house of cards once it went. Because even Friday morning, I had put, you know, we had all called the crew together and gave a, you know, kind of a speech of, you know, look, you know, this is what's happening. You know, make sure wash your hands. Uh, department heads, uh, be aware of, you know, if you need to hire outside of our normal, like electricians or grips, for example, if you need to bring in extra bodies to complete something, um, Jimmy was, you know, the marching orders were don't, you know, we'd rather pay more overtime, if you will. If it, if it takes you longer with five people to get it done, that's fine versus bringing in three other people that we have not, it's not in our normal core of people. Uh, you know, staff wise. So we were, we were starting to set that up and that was Friday morning. And I think it was Friday after lunch. I think Jimmy, that's when you whispered in my ear, I think this is it. I mean, it just, it went so, it just was changing by the hour. It really, it really went quick. I remember Wednesday was the day we made the change with craft service and we were all a little like, this seems like overkill. Hmm. Like that's, (laughs) wait, we're going to, they're going to serve us lunch. That's going to take forever. Oh, wait, what if, because we share um, a turnaround area and we share craft service with all that, which is a Nickelodeon show. And like the worst thing ever is when we all break at the same time. And sometimes that just happens. And if we we're going to break at the same time and we had to serve lunches, but that's just the way it was. And so we were all kind of like, as ADs, like, huh, that's a lot of, and then by Friday, it felt like old hat. Like by Friday, it seemed like, well, that makes a lot of our, sense. We, we don't want people touching all that. It was our new normal by Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just to show how fast it went and how, you know, on Monday, it was, you know, in the sliding scale of like belief and disbelief. And then by Friday, everyone was pretty much on board. That Saturday, before the Friday, Jimmy and I and a bunch of the people from the office, we were at a bar Saturday night together. Like, and then by the next Friday, we were done. We were done working. And Mike's daughter was in Europe. Yeah. And then, wow. then finally by Saturday, they shut down the program and they, she probably got back the next Wednesday. And the, Yes. Yeah. That yeah. was a little stressful. And that, cause that whole week too, there was so much, I think it's what Jimmy was saying and Robin too. There was just, there was a palpable nervous energy on set. Um, nervous being defined by, I mean, obviously people worried about hearing about their shows get shut down. So of course everyone's worried about obviously their job, a paycheck. And then, of course, like Jimmy said, someone is coughing or has a fever. And then it's like, well, is that the thing they keep talking about? You know, we just, everything was just off a little bit. You know, everyone was just, um, everything was just off dealing with our families, dealing with, you know, all the different things. So it was, it's, um, it's it was weird wild. to think about now because I haven't thought about it since it happened. And so to go back and think about how much we didn't know about what was going on is so interesting now because now we're all like, I have nothing to do but look at the internet all day. The big thing too, to piggyback is like Mike said too, is our families. I mean, my kid's school was shutting down. Even if we were able to work, suddenly it becomes, well, who's going to watch my kids? Who am going to feel comfortable watching my kids? And my can't, kids can't come in to work with me. Um, so that was a driving factor as well. Once everyone's school start, started shutting down and a lot of us have families, it was like, okay, well, this is all the more reason that we need to be 
accessible to our families, accessible to our loved ones, because I wouldn't feel right going to work every day and being like, oh, you know, I'll just, yeah, come in for eight hours and watch my kids for me, you know, so, and plus at that point, our kids had to keep learning. I mean, everything was just transitioning over and it was a lot to just try to deal with on a weekend and then go right back to work on a Monday. Well, you mentioned that the original plan was shut down for two weeks. You were planning to take a week off anyway, delay the pick and production back up for another week. Obviously, that's been extended. Um, we're yeah, we. Nine. Well, I don't even, you I, just I said Mar- you said March fifteenth. I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like March thirteenth. I'm like March thirteenth wow, was yeah. Because I remember my wife's yeah. birthday was March sixteenth, and I went out to dinner on March fourteenth, and that's the last time I've been out anywhere. I think was March fourteenth, but it's been yeah. The thirteenth is when we shut down. And uh, no plans. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, as far as anyone, I, I you know, there's no there's no return date. Let's put it that way. With every article I read, I'm just thinking I don't how do, when how it's the how really right it's like the when is I mean the when is important but it's the how I mean if we went back next week the how is the fascinating part about how to you know and you there's you know anyone listening to this podcast has read the same articles we're all reading and Mm -hmm. it's fascinating it's scary it's um an intriguing concept to you know address these stripped down stages and and how do we I mean how do we shoot a show in a stage that is normally on a good day a petri dish much less in the middle of a, a pandemic, you know. Two weeks before the pandemic hit, a plague like whipped through our stage and took down about 22 oh. of us. I think Mike and I included, I don't think Jimmy got it, but it was a two day oh. thing where you just like vomited stuff um, and then you were good two days later. But imagine if that had happened, it was, that was only two weeks before and none of us were like coronavirus or whatever, but it was crazy, but it just whipped through and it, and it got people from construction, it got executives, it got obviously the ads were everywhere and we still don't really know what caused it no one of our actresses got sick we had to we had to shut the show down for the day so we could um you know we reshot it on a saturday but um but robin's right i forgot two weeks prior oh it was brutal could you imagine if it was that week we would have flipped out we all thought we had it oh yeah yeah absolutely well now in the midst of a shutdown (laughs) tell me how did the quarantine episode come about like what was the genesis the genesis is from what I understand, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for our showrunner Chris Nowak, but the genesis at its core was um, everyone's at home. You have a bunch of artists at home, and what do artists do when they're home? They create. They just try to keep doing something because they always gotta scratch that itch. Well, Ben Giroux, who plays the toddler, and of course Cooper Barnes plays Captain Man. Uh, ben had the idea on the uh, the TikTok platform that it would be kind of fun if they uh, did little skits where the toddler all of a sudden calls Captain Man and, uh, you know, they have a funny conversation. He punches him through the phone, you know, ha, ha, ha. Ben's TikTok is like 1.8 million followers or some crazy number. So it, they were getting some heavy hits. And for folks and, who don't know, sorry, Mike, uh, the toddler is one of the villains on the show. It's not one of your minor <laughs> actors who came up with his sorry, idea. So, that's okay, true. That's that's actually don't you all watch Henry Danger? <laughs> that's actually a good point. Okay. Uh, no, the toddler is a grown man, uh, for, you know, 35 years old, and uh, he does wear a diaper on the show. Um, so, and why he had a toddler outfit at home, I'm still trying to get that answer from him. But, um, and even Coop, why he had a mask. But they did this for fun. And Chris I know I hear that. So Chris was talking with uh, Nickelodeon, um, Omar um, and Shauna one day about it. And I believe the conversation was something like, have you guys seen Ben's TikToks? They're really funny. Yeah, they are really funny. That'd be funny to be an episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it would be. Well, would it? Could we do that? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, wait, are you really serious? Quarantine episode? And Chris went, 
okay, I'll, I'll start writing it. And that basically within that was, that was, that was the seed. That was the beginning of the, um, the beginning of the end, if you will, of the quarantine episode. Now for folks who haven't seen the quarantine episode, for our listeners, basically everyone is alone talking to each other on Zoom or, you know, whatever the technology is, we'll talk more about it. But there's a couple of exceptions, but basically everyone is by themselves. Is that primarily true or were there exceptions or things we should bring up? No, everyone, I mean, with the exception of the minors, they're with their families, obviously. But I mean, a thousand percent, nobody left their house. Not one single person left their house to, you know, do anything to make this episode. I mean, and that is the, anything we had to send, we shipped. Anything that had to be, um, was delivered. No one left their house or made any unnecessary risks to, you know, to get something. And that's, that's the hand of God truth. So let's dive deeper into the planning and prep. What sort of technology did you guys use? How did it come together? What, what was your process for getting this episode off the ground? While Chris, I'll say this, while Chris was writing and putting it all together, it fell on Jimmy to then start trying to address that, that very issue. Because at that point, I'm just trying to read it, trying to even figure out how I'm going to you know, block this, quote unquote, and <laughs> have a fight and sing a song and do a dance. But Jimmy can speak to the... Um, the technical for and, sure. And so as far as the technology goes, um, the technology was actually brought to us originally from Nickelodeon. Um, Nickelodeon was, had just finished filming this town hall thing with, uh, with Kristen Bell. And it was sort of like directed towards kids and they had doctors talking about, you know, to ease their fears of the coronavirus. So um, the producer of that show started working with Nickelodeon and saying like, this is, this is what I use and this is how we got it to work. And here's how we think we can make it better it's so funny because I just went back and looked at my phone and like the first time I even talk about quarantine ever in my emails is April 2nd. And then from then on, it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. So that's how much, how many times I've been talking about it, but the, uh, they brought the technology to us and um, the basic idea was a lot like the zoom template in that there would be eight people on a screen at any given time. They were able to give us time code and we could have the eight actors interact with each other in real time like we're doing right now each window isolates and records to a separate server the audio and the video um so the post-production can then pull that audio and video and and use it uh to match up with the time code to to do the episode so no matter how we're interacting right now in the end it's all just separate channels that they can use as we started to move forward we started to do tests with the company and the best way i can explain it is if you're familiar with when Anderson Cooper interviews someone overseas and there's, you're talking with them and then there's a minimal delay and then someone nods their heads and starts talking. Um, the more we got into it, the more that we realized the software was probably better equipped for not a conversation, not a back and forth because there's always going to be this delay in between when someone hears what I say and then they start talking and vice versa. So as we started to get closer and closer, by the time we got to the rehearsal week, I mean, the Wednesday that we started rehearsing, we were, uh, or the first Wednesday that we started, it was, let's just use Zoom for now while we work out the kinks and, 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 and you know, make this software better for our purposes. And we kept doing tests with it. And then it became, okay, well, we can't do eight people. Maybe let's try six people on screen at a time. And then it was like, okay, well, six is going to be too hard. The less people that we bring onto the screen, the better the delay is. Um, so then it came a point where, we were going to lock in working with four people like we are right now. But the issue then became people at home will be logged into a YouTube channel where we could watch the four people 
but that was on a seven second delay. So imagine watching what's on in front of you, but seeing it seven seconds delayed. So Mike would be watching his crew work, but seven seconds delayed. So if he yelled cut, they would keep going for seven seconds until they finally heard him yell cut. So the, the further we got into the rehearsal process using Zoom, the more we kept thinking, I don't know that this software is going to work. Like we were, we were spending so much time trying to resolve all the issues that using this software was going to create. And all the while we're using Zoom going, what, why can't it just be more like this? I mean, we're talking in real time. We're, we're communicating. There's no lag time. So that's where the genesis slowly became from working with the software that the network originally pitched to us to turning it into, you know, possibly leaning towards using Zoom. The other thing that, with the Jimmy is saying too is it's multi-camera sitcoms live and die by the rhythm of their jokes and the, the ability to, you know, comedy is a timing thing, right? It's a, it's a you know, lines come on top of another, um, our show, a lot of the magic for all you Henry Danger fans out there, obviously was the, we called it the dual dialogue between Jason Coop, that they would just start talking over each other and, and a lot of funny came from that. And of course that spilled into Danger Force. So as we were trying to use the software and as we were whittling it down even four people in the room with the delays, we slowly understood it's what, what Jimmy was saying that we would not be able to achieve the comedy, the timing of the comedy, um, the execution of the comedy um, without being in as much real time as could possibly be done. And so that drove the boat a lot on performance and Nickelodeon obviously supported and understood that, um, that that's the way our show works. So we needed that real time interaction, which is what, again, like I'm looking at you guys now on Zoom and you can, you know, you can, everything's real time. Um, jokes we make amongst each other, we laugh at because it's real time. And that is, in the end, um, as we headed into that weekend, that's when we, we came across, we all got together with Nickelodeon and said, you know what, I think Zoom is the way to, to do this. And on Zoom, were you still able to record separate video channels then and that, so that go into post? Or are there other limitations that come with the system for what we try to do? The first limitation with the, with the Zoom platform is the ability to deliver in you know, 1080p, which uh, uh, we cannot. Um, you know, we delivered at a 720p um, and then I believe it was, I'm doing a lot of tech talk here that I, I'll be dead honest, I'm not quite sure what I'm talking about. I'm just <laughs> repeating what I heard. But then when it, when it got delivered, I think it got upgraded a little bit. But, but still, when you watched on TV, even if you watched on your 4K HD television, it looked like a, like a Zoom screen. But even that, we, I never minded from a creative standpoint, nor did Chris, because we were never going to deceive our audience into believing that we weren't doing what you thought we were doing. I mean, you are looking at Luca's bedroom. You are looking at Hava's bedroom. You are looking at Dana's bathroom. You are seeing Terrence's bedroom slash his closet, Cooper's garage, Michael Cohen's bedroom. So we never wanted to like wink, wink, like, yeah, we created a set. Everyone knew what we were doing. So we embraced that. So, and I think that was part of the magic of the episode as well, is that um, we, you know, we pulled off a scripted episodic in the feel and look of what we are all very used to looking at now. I mean, I, it's almost jarring to see full HD on a big screen because I'm so used to having so many conversations like this, but that was a big, that was a big part and, of and it. And Zoom doesn't record in 1080. So if you're trying to replicate what Zoom looks like, it almost looks more jarring to be 1080. And that's originally what was driving the boat to use the other company was that we're going to have 1080p, we're going to have uh, time code, 
But when it got to the point where we had four people in a room and we'd be shooting it in portions anyway, at what point does the time code matter anymore? If you're, if you're shooting it over the course of different days and over different hours, and then the 1080p part, this, like Mike said, this is what we're used to looking at. So it would seem jarring to see crystal clear video and trying to make that seem like, I think what sells it most is that it was shot on Zoom. It's supposed to look like Zoom. And for all intents and purposes, it was Zoom. I mean, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And what it did is, Robin can speak to this, what Zoom allowed us to do quite possibly more than, more than anything was the ability to replicate our stage on a Zoom platform, meaning we had to be able to have a way for our DP, our set designer, our art department director, Robin herself, makeup, hair, wardrobe, to all be able to real time a look at a frame. I mean, look at a look at a look, look at a camera setup. Uh, check hair. Last looks. Uh, the the skateboard got bumped. The uh, the camera moved. You know, all these different things. So we set up a way where Robin would be in Zoom room number one. Zoom room number one would be the filming room. Robin would be in Zoom room number two, doing last looks, doing her normal, you know, assistant director function, getting everyone ready. But Rob, why don't you jump on? Because that's you ran that thing like a champ. Yeah, I couldn't imagine doing it without Zoom. What it from an '80s perspective, it was interesting. Um, I had on my husband's computer. Luckily, I had two computers. My husband's computer. I ran Mike's or Mike ran his room, but I could watch what was happening while he was filming. And um, on my computer, then I had the other room where I would set up the next scene with hair, makeup, wardrobe, like Mike said, and the DP and the art department. Um, and then once they were set up, they could log off and I would just text them to come on back or they could go watch in the other room because there's basically two Zoom codes. So you could go to the other room and watch and see what's going on. And so Mike, if he needed me, he would just go Robin and I just hit a button and go, yeah, Mike. He's like, and he just say whatever he needed to say, I go, you got it. Or if something was going on over there and I could see like a couple times I could see like they just stalled out and then I could just come in and make a suggestion. It's like, hey, why don't we give this person a, a rest and then let's do this here. Or it was just interesting because it's you're basically doing the same job as a first as you're just doing on two computer screens. And because it was me and everybody was contained and I didn't have to run over all studio, it was very, very doable to have one AD do the job of basically all the ADs. It would have felt silly to have a second AD getting everyone ready when literally I would just basically watch Mike on the other computer screen and I wouldn't even yell rolling and cuts. Mike would just do it himself because he was right there. Mike even held up the slate, like he <laughs> held up the, this is chicken scratch handwriting because he has terrible handwriting. And then he Horrific. would just, he would like take one and he'd scratch it out and write take two. That was basically it. I kept um, them all. I kept them all as, I don't know, like as, as my badge of, you know. But um, because our crew was so small, we had uh, the bare bones. Everybody kind of had everyone else's back. And plus, everyone's working from home, and we could tell this poor Spod didn't even have Wi-Fi. He was our DP. He was literally in, like, a van down by the river just going from, like, coffee shop to his friend's hardware store. And he'd be like, Robin. Stealing um, Wi-Fi. Stealing Wi-Fi. He's like, when are we going to look at the next set? Okay, i got to drive someplace else. So he kind of was just like a creeper. Like, what part? I think it was outside of a school stealing Wi-Fi. He just looked like a creeper yeah. in a van. But he, uh, he made it through the day. We're like, where are you? We're like, he's like, uh, about outside the air conditioning store. <laughs> he's, in air like, he's in an air conditioning truck or something. <laughs> oh, but he God, made it through the day. And then his Wi-Fi came back up like the next day. 
yeah. his wife I came back up. It was fun in a weird way. Once we got our rhythm. Once we got our rhythm, yes. And uh, it, the thing that was the weirdest was I was more exhausted at the end of the day than I was on set because Zoom, it really takes a lot out of you to communicate this way because you're missing the body language, you're missing, you're missing the little nuances of how you communicate in the real world. Um, and at the end of the day, when you just say, all right, good night, everybody, and you close it and something's just silent. And then oh, you're like, it was bliss. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to keep track of, especially with two things going at once, because sometimes Mike needed something and then this was happening here. And it was it was, it was fun and interesting. Um, well, definitely. We were even right before we came on, Skid and I were talking about how much you take for granted just the basic, like you were saying, the basic communication that you do have on a stage. You can yell out for someone. They come running over. Uh, water cooler conversations, for example, don't, you know, just those little side conversations. Anytime you wanted to get information, give information, uh, talk to anybody, it had to be a text, an email, a Zoom, a, a fully concentrated effort just to say, Robin, we need Cooper and Michael in here. Because that led to you having to text Cooper and Michael. They'd have to read their text, text you back. They'd have to log onto a screen. You know, it was a very, um, and to not, Robin's right. When you knock on a door and an actor says, yeah, I'm on my way, then you can just wait outside the door and then knock again if you have to or see if they come out. But literally, you're blind. You're like, on my, there's text you on my way and you have no idea what they're doing and no idea when they're going to show up. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, oh, thank God they showed up. But there's no like other, like, you can't listen at the door. Or you can't, oh, I knew he was changing. Okay, he told me, you know, <laughs> there's no nothing except blind faith that they will show up on the Zoom call that you wanted them to show up on. And they all did, but it was just stressful. Well, yeah, it gave a whole new meaning to like being on time, like, I, you know, we're a business of time. I mean, we have call times. We, you know, we have a whole call sheet that is all about time. And then the production report, which is all about the time that happened. And never was it more important for you to be on Zoom at nine o'clock. It wasn't like, oh, I know I can arrive 15 minutes late because Robin will take care of this or Mike doesn't need to deal with that or Jimmy. I mean, you had to be on Zoom at nine o'clock. I mean, it was because that was the only way to have contact. And everybody who was a not participant was watching all the Nickelodeon execs and people you don't usually see on set where you can just kind of do your thing and you get the finished product and like, great, oh, great finished product. But here they're literally staring at you working and that's, it, you forget about it during the day, but they're people you don't normally interact with. They're literally just staring yeah. at you working and that's a lot of pressure. There's 30 people behind the scenes. So four of us talking, but forgetting that there's 30 people behind the cameras right now watching us record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume they're cooking dinner for their kids and like doing laundry, like as if they're at Crafty, but you don't know that, you know. And there's no other shows on. I mean, this, we were the only show in town at that point. So anybody who, well, anybody who had any part of our show was tuning in and watching the record session because there was nothing else filming that day or that week or, or since, honestly, I don't think. Yeah. And they Jimmy, normally wouldn't uh, come to stage and watch. Oh, right. of course. Jimmy yeah. sent out a wonderful email to all of us. I think the, the day before we were going to go to shoot, he sent this great email with, our, with all the first call times. It was just, I think he said, listen, gang, I, you know, I could not be prouder of what we've all done. You know, congratulations. Um, you are truly the hardest working crew in Hollywood and the only the crew only work. working in Hollywood. <laughs> Well, there was, I mean, there was a lot to prove, you know, I mean, it was the decision to switch to Zoom happened the day before we started shooting. So there was a lot of nerves on my part to be like, is this going to happen? I mean, until we shot that first day 
and we were like, like oh this is going to happen we can do this you know but yes. leading up to that night before where we made the decision to switch the the format it was there was a lot of nervous energy as to let's hope zoom doesn't crash let's hope the server's not down because we weren't working hand in hand with zoom they didn't have like a tech working with us and overseeing everything it was like if we logged in that morning and zoom was down for usual maintenance we had a problem <laughs> oh i mean i had last week my cable went out for like or my or my internet service you know spectrum went out in my neighborhood went down for like like seven hours and first of all could you kids, imagine oh well first of all the kids were dying my girls you know because one's in college one's high school and they were like we need internet like they never this is non-negotiable i'm like i i i, I get it. but then i went with robin just said i literally got cold chills down my back thinking if that would have happened on one of our shoot days rehearsal days i mean you're you're done i mean you are literally it's like i always said to jimmy and as all of you listening i'm sure know a thousand things go wrong on stage every day a thousand things lights have to get fixed and and set dressing and props so going into this like jimmy was saying a thousand things are going to go wrong doing this but you do not have the ability in the moment just to be run over with a c-stand or fix it with a a wipe or a this or a you know greek this or do that i mean it all had to be all had to be handled by the actors in their space you know the actor our you know our kids had to maneuver their camera our kids had to set up their bedroom our kids had to get the props ready the set dressing wardrobe put their masks on i mean it was there's a huge hats off to the kids i mean michael and you know and and the moms and, other, and the moms the moms the, moms, the, the kids moms and like jimmy said the disruption to all of our lives in terms of I mean, we were grateful and so happy to be working and, and doing it, but all of this under the shadow of your kids still going to school, your kids, you know, right before this started, Jimmy was like, oh, I forgot to tell my kids, don't run in here. You know, I'm doing a, doing a podcast. I, I told my daughter right before I came out here, I said, look, don't walk in the garage. I'm going to be on a podcast. So it was very, you know, Robin has her two kids. It's, it's trying to work, much less shoot a show and still run your family responsibilities underneath the shadow of a global pandemic was um challenging it was challenging but it, it was nice i remember when i was done with it i was like it felt good to work it felt good to do that and it felt good when we were done as well to go back to the groundhog's day that we're all living over and over again but it felt good to just do something so different and interesting in my own house i really liked it i'd love to do another one no creatively it was um i've always said from a directorial point of view probably the most personal like I, cause you, you were so involved with everything, like, you know, in, in the multi-camera or anything else, you, you walk on a stage and there's a set, it's been built. It's been, you know, Chris has approved Tristan's drawings and, and Bonnie set dressing and construction and the sets, the sets, the set. We started on, Jimmy said that Wednesday, and it's like you skid looking at my, my frame right now and going, Okay. All right. So it looks like that bookcase over there. We got to take care of this. The lighting's kind of funny. You got a big head coming. I mean, we had to build this literally from the ground up. I mean, in, in invent the wheel for all intent purposes. And like Robin said, and the parents and the kids and Cooper and Michael and the guest stars were doing it as well. I mean, literally trying to create, but within that creation, everyone had ownership. Like the actors were getting excited. Like I remember Luca's bedroom. He was like, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, Bose, Bose, this would be a mess. Bose doesn't act like that. So he took ownership of a set. Hava did, Dana did, Terrence. Terrence had great ideas of how his closet would look more like Miles's closet. To a certain extent, they fleshed out a lot of their characters just by definition of trying to create what they had at home to, to mimic you know, what their character would be. 
and from that standpoint, it was it was creatively, you know, just a just a real buzz, a real a real high of um, everyone coming together that way. Talk to me more about who did come together. You talk about having a limited crew. You mentioned some of the specific folks, but what departments were involved and then what accommodations they have to make for these circumstances? Well, first of all, Jimmy, I guess you, Jimmy was like the man. Um, Jimmy was the grand conductor of the whole thing. So you were responsible for trying to put that all together. So probably, I mean, first and foremost, I guess you started with Tristan and Spot. I mean, I guess. Well, it, it actually started. So when I first built the budget, they were like, let's keep the number down. You know, I mean, we're shooting from home. It's not a real episode. It's a special. So it became me and my associate producer because I needed help to do this. And it was like, okay, well, we've got a director. Um, we're still not sure if we need a first AD. They're going to have to do their own hair and makeup. So let's bring on hair, hair head, makeup head. We're going to need our costume designer to pick and choose what they think their characters will wear. So we brought in a costume designer. And then it became, uh, we, the DP was automatic because we were he was going to have to teach them how to shoot this from home. Let's bring in our set decorator because she can help the kids design their look. And we were moving forward originally without a production designer. And if you know anything about which you probably don't, our production designer is <clears throat> as smart as they come. I mean, he knows everything about everything. If we're going forward doing something that we've never done before, I feel a hundred times better having him on board. Um, it's like going into surgery without the smartest doctor. I feel like he needs to be there with us. So we brought in him, but I mean, less than 10 people, maybe 12 yeah. tops. I mean, and that includes myself. We had a studio teacher, obviously. Our studio, studio teacher, teacher who watched the kids wherever they went. She went from room to room with them, mm -hmm. watched them wherever they were at. But maybe a dozen people. That was about all we had. And it was all the department heads wow. that we needed to do it. And uh, it was a small crew. I mean, even when you look at the credits after it aired, it was like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> it, went, it was cute. <laughs> I, liked, I, I watched the credits. I'm like, oh, so tiny. <laughs> it did. It went, it went really fast. That's funny you said it. It did. I made a point to watch the credits just to kind of just to see how fast it went. And a lot of people got their own card. It was cool. <laughs> I think Robin had, I think you and Jimmy shared your card, right? I mean, it was, yep, just, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it was, you needed people also to, you know, you always hear think outside the box and all that kind of stuff, but you really needed people to think outside the box. Oh, we had a script supervisor. Box. Script supervisor, Evie. Right. We had yep, Evie we had Evie. This. But it, we truly needed all hands on deck because there was not an idea that was not thought about or, or not, you know, taken, no suggestion was just dismissed outright. Everyone, uh, you know, when Robin came on board, she brought a head of full of ideas. You know, Tristan, Jimmy was referring to, our um, art department designer knows the show upwards and downs and we needed his vast knowledge to create makeup and hair to teach the kids wardrobe i mean it's it really was um it became like robin said it's i i think for a bunch of artists creative types that were in lockdown for what about four weeks before we shot it everyone really wanted to scratch that itch i mean people were ready to go the consult day when we set up everyone's sets was really glorious i mean that was a fun day i mean it really was i think chris said in that variety article it was like trying to you know we were putting a play together in a treehouse we just use what we had. From that standpoint, it was great. Now, the Variety article, I think, also mentioned that you mailed uh, their masks to the actors so that they would have those, but not the costumes and not any more than that. Did you also mail other props and things or what, what sort of gift package did they get to, to pull it off? I can. Uh, so the way that we sort of pulled it off was we knew we needed the masks. We knew that we were going to have the kids transform. So we thought, okay, well, we can sell it with the mask. But then the more we thought about it, the only way you can sell with the mask is if they're framed super close like this. So if you're pulled back in the shot, we thought, okay, well, they're going to need the outfits. And the outfits, 
are expensive. They're very expensive to develop, um, to create. They're all original designs. So we thought, ugh, we don't want to send those. So what else can we send to sort of sell that they're in costume? And the episode before we shut down, the kids all had Danger Force track suits where they had Danger Force like track pants, jackets with a Danger Force logo. We thought, okay, well, let's send that to everybody. So the way we sold it was they have their masks, they had their jackets and their, and their pants, and that would be their superhero look when they transformed. We were able to send um, those costumes to the people who lived in town, and there was another one who lived out of state that we sent it to as well. But as far as the care packages in town, it was the one thing that they told us was some of them needed good computers. Like some of them had seven, eight-year-olds with broken cameras, broken screens. So we were able to get loaner laptops. We got Ethernet cables because the best connection we could have would be to directly connect to the internet. So we would send those packages off and then earpods, the AirBuds or AirPods is what they call them for Apple, because there came a point where they had to sing a song and we thought, well, how can we how do we get them to be able to hear the song without actually hearing the song over camera. So we just established that the AirPods were part of the characters props, you know, like the characters were just wearing AirPods while they did the scene. But those were basically like Coop, we had to deliver light bulbs, you know, I mean, he was out in his garage and he was worried that his light bulbs were going to bust out just random silly things that we sent. But I mean, I don't think we didn't not send one thing to every cast member. I mean, everybody needed something in order to pull this off. But you know what was super cool was, was on, like on that consult day, like the big thing about doing this was after five minutes of watching it, everyone's going to be like, okay, well, this is, this is cute. The Zoom room, you know, they're doing their thing. But it was really important to us that the show still needed to be the show. Like you really still needed to watch an episode of Danger Force that has fights, that has good comedy, has all this stuff. So Chris wrote a script that was danger force i mean i know he wrote obviously to what you know the quarantine you know the restrictions but it still was he took a lot of great liberty and presented comedy so it came upon us like he wrote this great bit where uh, coop's trying to uh kept a man's talking about the swell view criminal code and obviously cooper barnes does not have the swell view criminal code book in his home so what happened was we on consult day tristan said well do you have a book coop yeah i got a book he's all right measure it Send me the measurements. Sends the measurements to Tristan. Tristan on Photoshop creates a book jacket that is the Swellview Criminal Code. Tristan sends that to Kinko's. Kinko's preps it. Kinko's delivers it to Coop. Coop unpacks it, wraps it around, and voila, prop. You know, behind Hava, you know, her character is still trying to find her phone. And so Hava thought it'd be a great idea that she has a poster on her wall about all the locations where she's been looking for her phone. So Tristan creates a poster on Photoshop that way, gets delivered to Kinko's, delivered to, to Hava's house. So that's how we were reinventing the wheel as we went. It, like Michael Cohen was supposed to be in Canada, his character. And, you know, before Chris wrote, he called Michael and, you know, was like, hey, Michael, um, you know, what, what do you have at home? And it turns out Michael's an avid uh, rock climber, ice climber, and he's got all those tools and equipment. So Chris wrote that in the script. Michael adopted a new puppy we'll write your new puppy in, you know? So it was that, you know, it was that kind of thing as well, just trying to, you know, do with what we had, but also figure out ways to, to make this stuff work. You know, that puppy caught my eye. So that wasn't a loner animal just for quarantine. <laughs> made it out to the, you'd have to call up the uh, animal folks for that animal wrangler to bring that puppy over. No. And it's funny, Michael made a, I was on a, I was doing a, a live stream with Michael on Instagram and he said, he goes, it was, he goes, I, I have a whole new appreciation for the animal trainers that when we do use animals, he's like, I had no, you know, I mean, Bodie had to, he had the rest. He had to, you know, he has got to eat. He's got to drink, got to walk them. He's like, you know, these, 
animals that come to the center are so well trained and so well taken care of. And he just was laughing about, he's like, wow, I had no idea how, you know, introducing Bodhi into his first episode. Yeah, doing multiple takes of the same thing. It's like, dog's like, why are you holding me and talking for so long? <laughs> so you had one day of consulting all the actors to get their sets in order, uh, review their makeup, hair, wardrobe, et cetera. Then how many days of actual filming did you do? Uh, two. Two days. We shot it in two days. And all, the, and all restrictions applied. Nine and a half hours. Kids went to school. School teacher. Lunch. Recreation. We... You know, we did not shortcut any um, any of those types of rules. We 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 still shot under the the same regulations we have on stage. And all of your actors are folks who had been on the show before. Is that correct, or was anyone a guest star just for this episode? They're all um, have been on the show before. We had uh, our two news reporters who are on almost every other episode, and then three of our uh, main villains that come back so many times. Other stories from the filming days. You spoke about the thousand things that go wrong. Any particular <laughs> challenges that came up that uh, you guys had to manage through? Like Jimmy said, a couple of times, it was sometimes, you know, Zoom is, a, is, a, is software and by definition, software can be buggy. And so a couple of times we had some moments where somebody couldn't log into Zoom, you know, and we were starting to get those, not, not panic, but you'd get that moment of like, oh, you know, God, if they don't log in, <laughs> I mean, what do we do? I mean, so there was a couple of times I think it was on day two, wasn't it, Robin, where one of the kids was having trouble getting in and we had to... That was the promo the, day. Oh, promo day. That's right. Yeah, promo day, Zoom was being particularly... Yeah, it was um, crazy. What, what uh, worked the two day. days before didn't work on the third day, which was our promo day. And Mike, we're texting and I, we're like, oh, thank God this wasn't on oh. our... During the oh. shoot. We made all... We finished the promo day. We made everything that they wanted, but it was... It backed us up for a good half hour, almost 45 minutes. And we still don't know why she could log into one room and not log into the other, but we just we just switched everything around and it was yeah. So there's a couple things that I you know went wrong. We had such a small crew, and you know you go to a film set, you see a lot of people waiting around, and you're like, why do you need all these people on a film set? And now I always knew why I needed them, but there are things that got missed that boy, if this person was there, we wouldn't have missed that. Like um, we had the art department, but we didn't have a prop person. And so who's watching the props? Maybe it's a script supervisor, maybe it's the actor, but that's not what they normally do. They watch the continuity for other things and props watch props continuity. And who's watching the costume continuity? It's not the costume designer, it's the onset customer. So there was little things that were Tristan uh, and Chris, our costume designer, that's not what they do. They don't look at the minutiae. And so there are little things that I was, would watch with on my computer. And then every once in a while, we all had each other's backs. And so people from different departments would chime in and yeah. text me. It's like, oh, what about the AirPods? And um, there was one part in the episode where Luca looks down and he's like, oh, cheap quarantine adhesive. And he didn't have a patch on. And the story behind that is, you know, Luca, he grows like a weed. So they sent two jackets over one that did have the patch on and one that didn't have the patch on because in case but they were packed up and sent and it's normally our costume supervisor katie would have caught that in a second if she was there but because we had such a skeleton crew and it's the mom and the kid you know they don't know what's supposed to be there and then you know lucas filming like this you don't see the patch and then suddenly you know, we've been shooting half the day and then we realized we don't have a patch. And so um, our showrunner just made a, a line that, made you know, cleared it all up. It, yeah. yeah. 
I was just going to oh. say, if, you know, yeah, you know yeah. why, Rob? It's because the jacket was designed. The episode Schwaz pretends he's bows. So oh. we designed the jacket for Michael. So when we sent it to Luca, Luca put it on. And oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because Luca never wore it the Luca, other episode. We didn't realize until no. after we shipped it that Luca never even had an outfit. We just grabbed the extra jacket and sent it. And then after the fact, we were like, oh, wait, Luca never wore an outfit. Um, but it's all those things. It's like, well, that's why you need a hundred people on a set. So it's it's interesting. And um, it kind of adds to the charm because it's, you know, it's the first time we've ever done anything like this. It's thing, the mistakes are going to happen. But you know yeah, what? That's nothing. a really good point though, because I think, don't you think maybe that really lent to, you spoke earlier of the, um, like the exhaustion at the end of the day. And I, maybe that's what it was too, is that I think all of us were using, we're exercising muscles of our brain that normally, like you say, we don't. Like and, it was my job to make sure everyone went into their zoom settings and clicked access HD. That's not something I do as a first AD. And guess what? <laughs> I forgot like twice and they filmed and I was like, did you guys do this? Okay. Bye. And apparently it didn't matter, but I, as a couple of times I forgot that was my job. And that's not my job as a first AD normally, but it's because I was prepping them. That's one of the things I needed to prep them to make sure that they click that button on their zoom settings and, so it's little things like that that you you're just using. No, so you're using the same. You want to do the same good job, but with the limited things that you have. Like I mean, Evie, our script supervisor, they would be like, "Oh, Evie, uh, what did she? What does she have in her hand there?" And she's like, uh, "I don't. I don't have my camera." You know, like normally she can just take frame by frame by frame, so she can go back and cycle through. And here she's just watching and doing it the old-fashioned way. Like I mean, but trying kids, to remember. Like, right? Was it in this hand? Was it in this hand? And we yeah, just take no, for granted. No time code. Right. You just take yeah. for granted that. It, everything's exactly how it was until you it's ask not. her. She's like, oh, I think the left hand. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. And we and throughout the day, I think part of the other stress, Billy Butler, who's our post production supervisor. To answer your earlier question, uh, Skid, we had three different people recording on three different computers, just to make sure whoever on any particular take had the best internet at that time, because sometimes you'd be in the middle of a take and. Cooper would glitch, uh, Ava would glitch, Dana would glitch, uh, Terrence. And when we got done, we'd be like, Billy, Billy, you know, talk to all the editors. Would, did anyone have that clean? And sure enough, someone would have it clean and you're like, oh gosh, okay, thank God. It was very much like at the end of the day, you really wanted to hear from Billy that, because after Zoom records, it goes up to a cloud, you know, and then you got to download it back out. So I was like, it, it wasn't your typical day of like, you know, the, 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 the camera card and knowing right then and there you had your stuff. There was a, it was a, a, big a lot of blind of faith. faith. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a lot of trust in the system. And <laughs> was post production expedited on this then to get it on the air, or did you have? Uh, did you take a normal? I don't know how long ago you actually did this film. We filmed it on uh, the twentieth and twenty first, I believe, of April. <laughs> so it, it we finished shooting on the twenty first of April, and it aired. They wanted to have it air May second. And we, we were like, it's, that's impossible. It's going to be crazy to do it. So it ended up airing the 8th or the 9th, whatever the Saturday was. But Which I mean, is just I, as crazy. Yeah, that's just as crazy. But I mean, what is it? That's less than three weeks, right? It's two and a half weeks. Oh, yeah. 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 Two, two and a half. So two and a half weeks from the time we filmed it to the time it aired. And that's, that's pretty that's, you know, We did color it. We did have to send it to our, um, you know, our. It got laughed. Um, laugh track we had it you know I mean it, it, it's like what Robin said again there was there were so many shortcuts we had to take or we were cutting so many corners just by definition of how we were doing it and the, the crew we had but you still had to shoot it right I mean you can't just you know I mean if 
if behind somebody a whole you know rack falls down you got to stop and put it back up and try to match and and mind you these were not hot sets michael cohen uh has a funny story where um at the end of consult day he had a bunch of stuff on his bed because he was he used his bedroom and tristan goes okay great so can you just leave that there michael then and michael's like well no i gotta go to bed that's my that's my bed <laughs> and so tristan goes oh okay we'll take a bunch of pictures you know i mean it's <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, one time while we were shooting, Cooper, you know, picked up his computer to show us, you know, I think. Oh, um, my God. So his wife was like that. And we were like, oh, my God. You know, but but this is just the stuff that. We had to respect we everything. The lighting is like. Those were the parameters we had to shoot with. And same with post. It's not like, you know, okay, post, you have two weeks. Let's shortcut a good edit. Let's shortcut the special effects. Let's shortcut the color. Let's shortcut. It's like, no, they had to, in the time they had, pull it off. And my god they pulled it off i mean it was glorious and even we forgot too that some point during the shoot we had um a skateboard that was has a logo of a company on it so we were shielding that logo during the record session and then somewhere along the way the the shield fell over and we could clearly see the skateboard so we actually had to do a plate and record a plate of it covered up and then our visual effects person had to go in and insert a plate for I think he told me it was eight gigabytes worth of footage that he had to do. So it was a pretty long run of footage that he had to clean up and insert a plate into Zoom to cover up this logo for the rest of the episode. So we still took a little bit of the old way to incorporate it into Zoom and just, we couldn't get and out without shooting a plate. <laughs> isn't that hilarious? And that's exact. and that goes to Robin's point. On a, a given episode, that skateboard falls over. Rick Cohen or, or, mm -hmm. or JR, RJ, I mean, they are on it like hawks. I mean, before the takes even over, they're running up to you going, we got a problem, we got a problem, we got a problem. But in the confines we were in, it just got, you know, it just got, it just got lost, which is again, to Robin's point about, you know, there is a reason all those people are there on stage. Because One of our network people caught it and pointed it out to me. They were like, is that, is that logo cleared on that skateboard? I'm like, no, no, it's covered. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not. Be right back. Exactly. Uh, BRB. Yeah. Winston had a great story. You were, that's about funny stories. Winston, who plays one of our intrepid reporters, well, as luck would have it, when he was doing his scene across the street, I guess there was some construction going on. So... <laughs> After the take, and part of Winston's gag on the show was he had to be, just like all of us, I mean, you know, in theory, I have shorts on. I do. I can I can have <laughs> shorts. But you don't know. So we wrote this funny gag in there when we were rehearsing. Well, it was in a script that uh, he was wearing just silly boxer shorts underneath his nice formal suit. So the story is, Winston, he, you could hear it in the background. So after the take was over, Winston <laughs> put a mask on, ran outside his house across the street, with his suit coat and his silly boxers on and was like, guys, please, can you give me a half hour without the chainsaw? Oh, I didn't hear like, that story. We've oh, got video of it. It's hilarious. Oh. I'll send you the video of it. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah. Funniest it's hilarious. Thing, I mean, can you imagine these guys? They were like, oh my God, what's this guy doing? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> you know, and, I mean, and here's Winston going, I'm trying to shoot a TV show. And they're like, TV show? What, what, have you lost it, pal? You know? I had a neighbor actually actually asked me uh, a week afterwards was like, I have to ask, what, what have you been doing? We've been hearing you yelling and clapping and screaming. And I was like, uh, shooting a TV show, you know. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Oh, so silly. One of my favorite things about um, shooting it was seeing everyone's kids come into the background at one time or another during the shoot. And people were just like, I got to go cook dinner. I'll be right back. Or they text me. He's like, 
uh, text me when we're up, Robin. I have to go when somebody was driving to Palm Springs. <laughs> but everyone, everyone was, you know, had to live their lives. And like, I remember every, um, she would go dark, and when you ask her a question, she'd have it muted, and she'd pop up, and you see her kids running in the background, and she'd be like, she'd give you hand signals about what she needed to know, and then pop back off. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was cool. The night we wrapped, uh, the Tuesday night we wrapped was, you know, I, Robin was, or me was giving, you know, giving the, and that's a wrap to Cooper Barnes, Michael Cohen. And what was kind of cool, Skid, was seeing like the Zoom format, like when you turn off your camera, you're, you know, you're not there. And so when I would say cut, it was fun seeing all the boxes start appearing of, of the crew. Clapping. And when the boxes, and clapping. And when the boxes appeared, Jimmy, you know, he had his son and daughter, you know, hanging off him. Uh, Chris Nowak had his two sons. Tristan's family was behind him. Robin, uh, you know, your son was behind you. That was very gratifying seeing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I know what you're talking about. It almost was, um, it almost choked you up a little bit just seeing, because on stage. It's so personal. Families are so, yeah, on stage, mm -hmm. we're, we, there's no, you know, you don't bring your son or your Well, you're your job. Your, your you're job, the first, right. you, you are your job. You're not a mother. You're not a this, you're not a that. You're the first AD. You're the director. And, you know, every once in a while at Crafty, you get to talk about your life, but you are your job. And then here you get to see, oh, you're not just no. your job. It, it kind of highlighted what we did. It was the perfect capper on wrap mm -hmm. night to see all the different families coming in and clapping and, you know, wishing everyone a good job. So, and a couple of times, even Chris's sons, you know, like after a take, I would say cut and then Chris would pop on. And like his his boy be sitting there be you know behind Chris giving thumbs up, and I was like, well, I mean Sam said it's a good that was a good take Chris I think we're using it you know I mean so it, it had a very much you know a couple times Jimmy would poor Jimmy would have to be handling a, juggling a thousand balls, and all of a sudden his camera would pop back on and it was like his daughter and she would be like looking you know, and then Jimmy come back in you know I mean it was it truly was it's like I said our life was still happening in the midst of shooting a TV show. What I did a lot in the um, the prep room is I would uh, come on with a funny hat or flower in my hair, and then everybody would get into it, and they would come and then have like a, a funny hat, and then we'd go to the main room, and then we'd all wear funny hats, and then everyone was like, I want to wear a funny hat, and then one time Mike got into it, he wore bunny ears, and it was just <laughs> kind of fun just to like mix it up and make the kids laugh, because you know it's all for the kids, so it's the danger force. So. I tell you, those kids, you can't say enough about, um, you know, here we are, we're grown professionals. We've all been in this business a long time. And these kids are all 12, 13, 14. To be told that, you know, you're, after the show got off to a great start, our ratings have been fantastic. We were just building that rhythm and camaraderie and friendship. And then to just be taken away, you know, we always say in our business, we're used to time off. You know, sometimes you have months off because it's just the nature of our business. But you know, they were kids and they were building friends with each other and, and all of us. And so then to be put in quarantine, shoot an episode and then have to be in any given moment, any particular crew member, honestly, that it says a lot about them and their parents. And that's I, I, not a moment goes by when we were shooting it that I thought, my, you know, these kids, it's, you know, it's amazing. The maturity that they had throughout it was, was amazing. Yeah, agreed. So what's next for Danger Force? <laughs> uh uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't uh, we don't know. We don't know. Um, by all accounts, Jimmy, you can speak to this, but, <laughs> but, um, by all we'll accounts, be back. Uh, we'll be yeah. back. Oh, the show yeah, is. we'll be back there. You know, gonna, you're going to have us for five years. Just, <laughs> yeah, yes. there, I mean, there obviously, starts, I'm not sure. right. Next there's obviously a talk of, again. there's, there's talk of us coming back. It's just a matter of when it's, I mean, 
no matter what, we shut down before we shot. We were picked up for 13 episodes initially. We shot six of them. So in theory, right now, we still have seven more episodes left of our season one that we have yet to shoot. It just comes down to when the world opens up, when we're allowed to go back, and then what the plan is and what that looks like. You know, I think even if the world opens up, the question remains, what does new production look like? And I think it might take a little bit of time one, allow the world to open up, but then two, start to come up with a, an idea of what post-COVID filming looks like. Because I don't think we know right now. We have ideas of how to minimize contact and you know whether it's vir- anything that we can do virtually. But at this point, I don't think anyone knows. So I think it's going to take time, months, I think, to sort of flesh all of that out. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> We're all waiting with the same questions. Understood. But uh, pretty interesting, again, what you guys are able to pull off with those challenges and uh, uh, what you said about crew and bringing folks together. It's, it's really an impressive effort. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. You know, it's one of those things we're proud of every episode because every episode has its own, you know, moments. But um, I will say this, this is the most probably challenging thing we've ever done. And then by definition, one of the most rewarding because, you know, leading up to it was was stressful. It was tough. And then when it came off and to see it air and, the, you know, again, on my Instagram page, seeing all the, the kids feedback was honestly overwhelming. It, it truly was. I mean, there were so many wonderful comments and the big headline of all those comments was thank you for making our quarantine a little better. And to be able to say that some kid that uh, none of us, I will probably never meet in my lifetime in Brazil or or Europe or even in America, to know that at least for a little bit, gave them a song to sing, a dance to dance, an episode to laugh with in the midst of what we're going through. You know, I don't think I'll ever have that in the rest. I hope I don't have that in the rest of my career, meaning no more pandemic, but it was truly that that alone was worth the price of, of everything. You know, it truly was. Mike, you mentioned your Instagram. Tell folks where they can go if they want to see the photos you post from set. I know I'm a follower. I've been, uh, uh, you do quite a bit of uh, sharing about, about the show. Where can people go to get that? My tag is MikeKaren underscore LA because somebody else took MikeKaren. <laughs> I don't know who that was. I want it back. But um, so I came up with the underscore LA. I, I started season five of Henry Danger. It, it occurred to me that from me as a kid, not to divulge my age, but say the um, Batman was on back in the uh, 60s and 70s, for me to have the access that I give the kids to our set, I would have blew my brain. I mean, to see, you know, Batman, you know, respond to my comment would have made me fall over. And so it occurred to me that, you know, at first I did it just to sort of, oh, dip my water into a social media presence. But then as the kids were responding and, and then the cast was having fun making our fun videos and I show them how we did it in the green screen, it really took off. And the highlight has been what I said, it's the communication with the fans. It's the instant communication to air an episode. And then I'll every week I'll post a, on my story, what did you think of the episode? And I just get bombarded with all the reactions and the questions and the thoughts and the comments. And our showrunner, Chris is, very involved with Instagram as well, um, CJ Nowak. And of course there's Robin, not Robin, Jimmy Brooks 24. And on <laughs> my all page of our- is nothing. <laughs> but it's, it's um, my light bulb went off when I realized how I could have this contact with the fans, um, which I adore about it. So, um, so thanks for shouting that out. Um, it, it's really turned into a work of, of pure delight, posting the stuff and then reading the comments and then interacting with the fans that way. Speaking of the fans, is there any spoilers you can share with them about what they can expect when Danger Force does come back for the rest of the season? I will say that we, the last episode that we did, it was a fun one. It was a special one. So when we come back, 
Um, they will not get, be disappointed. <laughs> they will not be disappointed. We get back into production, everybody. As I say on all my comments on Instagram, hashtag stay tuned because you do not want to be the person that misses that episode. Trust me. Well, guys, thanks very much for coming on today. Uh, appreciate taking time out of your busy quarantine days and, and catch us up on what was happening behind the scenes. Thanks. Everybody. My days are actually very busy. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will say the time has went remarkably fast. I have to you said March 13th, and I looked at my watch literally, and it says, you know, whatever, March or May, May 15th. Uh, that actually shocked me because, you know, the days go remarkably fast. They really do. They do. I'm sorry, could you give me your <laughs> outro again? <laughs> Listeners, please share your feedback. You can send your email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. If you're an iTunes user, please rate us. It really helps us reach new listeners. And if you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials and podcasts below the line. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at pod below the line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wan for our logo. Logos available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Listeners, thanks again for supporting the show. I've got a couple more episodes in the works discussing how the industry is reacting to COVID-19. Hope you'll join us again next week. Technically, am I the only below-the-line person here? I mean, and me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, whatever. They can't be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they deem it worthy of their presence on this one. Thanks, guys, for coming down from the mountain. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right.